0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. I want to invite you to remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which will serve as the basis for our sermon text this morning. Our gospel lesson comes from John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd chapter. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep Listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. As you take your seats, I want to invite the kids heading off to the Way School to meet their teachers by the door. Let's go before our God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, and our good shepherd. Amen. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. That fun and fantastic refrain, it comes from the Dr. Seuss story, Horton Hatches the Egg. And if you've never read the story before, would you please allow me to give you a brief, albeit less poetic, summary of the story. The story begins where Horton is walking through the jungle and he stumbles upon a bird. A bird sitting on her nest. The bird's name is Maisie. And Maisie is lazy because she doesn't want to sit on her egg any longer. She wants to go on vacation. And so she asks if Horton would sit in her nest on her egg. After some convincing and giving her word that she'll be right back, I promise, she flies off and the most amazing, most improbable thing occurs. The greatest The largest creature in all of the jungle goes on a tree to care for one not even born. And then you watch. Because Maisie is so lazy, she doesn't come back. Horton stays right there. He remains through the summer and all of the lightning and the thunder. He remains there through the winter when there's snow and there's sleet and there's icicles hanging from the trunk and his teeth. There is always some difficulty going on in the jungle, but no matter what, Horton stays right there, and he says all of the time that wonderful, comforting refrain. I meant what I said, and I said what I meant An elephant is faithful 100%. Springtime comes and his friends show up and they make fun of him for thinking he's a bird and why is he staying up in a tree? Totally missing the point. His friends all leave him and and then three hunters show up and, and point their guns right at him. But does he run? No, he does not. He stays right there. And then the hunters decide that they're not going to shoot the elephant, but instead they're going to take the tree, the nest, the egg, Horton on top of it all, and they're going to put it on a cart, put it on a boat, and take it over to New York City and tour him around on a circus so everyone can see. But does Horton leave? No. Even when the attendees at the circus are mocking him and laughing at him and And just taking in the spectacle, he reminds even the mockers I meant what I said, said what I meant. An elephant is faithful 100%. And the most improbable, the most zany, the most odd thing is all that remarkable. Because no matter what, Horton proves it. He proves that he cares that much, that deeply for this egg. He cares so much, in fact, that nothing can throw him off. Nothing. And it's not just the cool refrain that rhymes and and really speaks volumes. He backs it up. He doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk, and he backs up his words with works. That's what makes the moral of this Dr. Seuss story so cool. This Sermon. (laughs) It's not based on a story of Zeus. It's based on the story of salvation. And interestingly, metaphorically, there's an animal in it too. We read about it in all of our lessons. Revelation tells us that in this story of of your salvation, there's a lamb. There's a lamb who cares that much. But the lamb is also your shepherd. And in a turn of fate, the most improbable and and unimaginable thing of all. You see it, don't you? The greatest, the largest being in, in all of creation. He goes up on a tree to care for those who weren't even born yet. You and me through the heat and the trials of all the sins and temptations, through, through the darkest valleys, through hunger and thirst. What do you see? Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant. Your good shepherd is faithful 100%. And he's not just faithful in the fact that he, he gives his word and makes his promises that he's going to care for you. No, at every turn, what do you see? He backs it up. He doesn't just talk the talk and he doesn't just make promises to you. He gives promises and he backs up his words with works. Jesus meant what he said and said what he meant. Your good shepherd is faithful 100%. Amen. And if that's all you do take away from this sermon, that's good. That's very, very good, because that—that that news that that you have a good shepherd who remains over you, not any longer on a tree, but now on a throne. Well, that's not just good news. That's not just a a, a fun story. That is your reality. And so if you take nothing away from today, go home with this, that you have a good shepherd who is faithful completely, always, and remains always guarding, shepherding you until he's with you forever in heaven. I had to start out with kind of the fun, silly story, the comparison or illustration of our good shepherd to Horton, because the sermon lesson we read today, well, it's not so silly. The gospel we read as the basis for this sermon is actually a sad cautionary tale. It's a sad cautionary tale of, of what happens when, when people don't realize where they are and, and what they have in Christ, their good shepherd. What happened in John chapter 10 was Jesus went to celebrate a festival, a festival that remembered the dedication of the rebuilding of the temple. And there, while he was there, he's walking along on Solomon's colonnade, a beautiful porch that overlooked the temple, and he gets trapped, he gets cornered. The Jews that were there, the Jewish leaders, so many of them turned out that he he couldn't really walk around them. and, And while they're there, he asks a question. They ask a question, and it's not to get to know their Savior more. It's not to sit at his feet and learn and be discipled by him. It was to trap him. It was in the hopes that he would say something that really really made his followers disregard him, or, or they would, he would say something that really would convict him and have the Roman authorities take over and put him to death. They asked him this question. They said, if you are the Messiah— just give it to us straight. Tell us plainly. How long will you keep us guessing? How long will you keep us in suspense? And you can sense it. You can sense the the frustration in Jesus because he's, he's been with them. He's been there showing them and even telling them. And he makes that point. I'm not just just telling you that I'm the Messiah. I'm demonstrating it in all of my works. Pick a miracle. Which one? I've given you a front row seat to the show and tell event that is the salvation story. You can sense Jesus' frustration, but at the very same time, you can see your Savior calm and in control because he, he teaches everyone around something about who he is and and how he relates to his people. And that's the part that gave me pause as I was preparing to to preach on John chapter 10 to you, to a group of people that aren't like the Jewish leaders. They ended this story by picking up stones to throw it at Jesus because of the blasphemy that he said. So what do you say then in regards to this scripture lesson, to a group of people who, who know their shepherd's voice, who are here because they love to hear their shepherd's voice. A group of people that aren't throwing stones at Jesus or looking to, but look to Jesus to receive every good and perfect gift from him. What does this say to us? What does this good shepherd text proclaim for you and me? Well, I was thinking about that when someone shared with me a story about sheep, something something that you know about sheep. Sheep do listen to their shepherd's voice. You know that because scripture proclaims it, but the story goes of a tourist from the United States who traveled over to the Middle East and got to see it. They were touring about, and they went to a well where a lot of different flocks would gather, and on that particular afternoon, three different flocks, led by three different shepherds, gathered together all in one place. And before long, they all got mixed together, so he could not tell which was which and who belonged to who. But then he watched as as one shepherd took off and yelled out, Manah, Minah," which means in Arabic, follow me, follow me. And he watched as about a third of the sheep just ran after him. He watched again as the second one took off up the hill and yelled out, manah, manah. But this time didn't even have to turn around and look. The sheep were just right there with him. And so the story goes that this tourist thought, all right, we're gonna try a little bit of an experiment. He went to the third shepherd and he said, what would happen if you gave me your hat, your tunic, your staff and I yelled out to your sheep. Smiling knowingly, the shepherd played along and he he gave the staff to the tourist and he get dressed up and he, he walked over and there he yelled, manah, manah. Started walking, started taking off, yelled again, but they didn't follow. And so they came back and he gave the staff back and he asked the obvious question, will these sheep follow anyone else. And to his surprise, the shepherd said, yes, yes, they will. Whenever they're sick, these sheep will follow anyone. And then there's the lesson for us. It's because we know two things. We know first that there is a disease called sin. There is a disease called sin that infects every single one of us, and the symptoms of this disease are too innumerable to count. There's shared symptoms that we all experience. But you also know your unique personal and private symptoms of this disease called sin. And then we also know secondly that, that we live in a world where there are a lot of voices, there are lots of noises there are a lot of peoples and groups and things that come from without and within that call out to us and oftentimes because of our sickness it's all too easy to get desperate and just follow anything or anyone and that's why our good shepherd, talks the way he does and and shares what he does at the end of our lesson for today. He describes realities or he describes the implications of being the shepherd and you being his sheep that that you already know, but he wants to remind you. He wants to remind you to remain where you are with him just as he remains always with you. Because he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. Your your Jesus is your good shepherd, and he's faithful 100%. So what we're gonna do is look at three different implications or three different aspects of the sheep-shepherd relationship that that Jesus shares in John chapter 10. Here's the first, and that is this, that sheep are obedient to their shepherd's voice. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. You know this. We just talked about the fact that there are a good many voices in this world that are vying for your spiritual affection. A good way to identify who is influencing you, what voices are influencing you, is to ask that question, what did you hear this last week? And no, I don't mean what's the latest on your podcast or what's the most listened to music on Spotify or Apple Music, but where do you turn for wisdom? Who do you listen to to determine what is right and what is not? What voices do you bend your ear towards when, when you need affirmation, when you need encouragement? What's the first voice that you listen to when you need wisdom, and not just for the big things in life, but for the little things as well. The point that Jesus is making in John chapter 10 is that there are a lot of voices out there, but all the other voices that we hear, that we listen to, if they are not from the Father, if they're not from the Son, they ultimately don't follow through. They ultimately don't promise, deliver on their promises. They don't give what they say they're going to give to you. Think back on the voices that you've, that you've listened to and that you've followed. Do they fill you up 100%? Are they faithful 100%? Or do they give only partial fulfillment or, or none at all? And that's the point that Jesus wants to make, that, that he meant what he said and said what he meant. Your good shepherd is faithful 100%. He always gives to you the goods. He always gives to you his good and gracious gifts. We read Psalm chapter 23, perhaps the most famous psalm that there is. And and there's so many different aspects that are just a joy to meditate on. But maybe just look at this first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing that I want. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. That when you listen to the voice of your shepherd, you have everything you could ever want. And no, this isn't a sermon to just go home and read your Bible more. No, this is a sermon to point you to the still sweet voice of your Savior that speaks volumes to you throughout your life. And whenever he does, and he always does, he delivers his hope, his joy, his peace, his promise of eternal life, of forgiveness in this life. No matter where you walk, through darkest valleys or dark nights, he leads you Besides quiet waters, which means you lack nothing. And these promises, they're they're not just esoteric general promises. No, they're personal promises that he gives to you. That's our second one, that, that sheep are known in their shepherd's heart. Verse 27 continues on saying, I know them. Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. Just yesterday, I had two conversations with three different mothers in about the span of an hour. The first conversation was with a mother who heard her child cry. And she immediately, though it was rooms away, knew that it was her child. And we got talking about how that's something that only a mother, only a parent could know because they care so deeply for their child. And they spend so much time with their child that as a conversation we want on, we want on that we don't just recognize the voice of our child, we also know what it means if they're crying one way or another. Think about that care of a mother. The next conversation was with a mother of, of 20 years and my wife the mother of our children of five years. And we were talking about personalities and and how all of our children have different personalities and yet they're from the same family. And and so you treat them different because they're unique individuals and you know their strengths and you know their weaknesses because you know them. The mother offering encouragement to the younger parents said, oh, and that's just five years. You wait, you wait and see what happens over the course of two decades. And that's earthly parents. Your father is your shepherd, and he knows you. He didn't just create you. He knows you. And not just like trivia, like I know that London is the capital of England. No, he knows you personally, intimately, uniquely. He knows your personality. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. He knows the sins that weigh harder, the worries that lay heavier on you. And you think about that, that in any personal relationship, you, you can't be truly known fully. But that is the basis. That is the starting point of your relationship in Christ, He knows everything about you. And we just got to put it out there that that might seem scary at first, that, that might seem like a worry that, oh my goodness, there, there is a God who knows everything about me. But remember, he leads you in right paths. He leads you for his namesake and his glory. He leads you in such a way that goodness and mercy and love follow you all the days of your life. He doesn't know you so he can blame you and shame you and and try to coerce you. No, quite the opposite. He knows you and leads you in such a way that he gives you his voice so that you follow him in right paths. We pray this every week. We pray this every time we say the Lord's Prayer. The sixth petition is, and lead me not into temptation. Do you know what that is really a prayer saying? It's a prayer saying, Lord, be my good shepherd. Be my good shepherd who leads me and leads me well. And Lord, don't lead me to a den of wolves. I'm a sheep, I'm following you. I'm gonna go wherever you go. Do not lead me into temptation. Do you know how Jesus answers that prayer? I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. Your good shepherd is faithful, one hundred percent. I will not lead you into danger, but I will lead you beside still waters. I will lead you to green pastures for my name'sake. And what does the psalmist say? Therefore, I will rejoice, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will live in the flock of the Lord forever. And that leads us to the third third aspect of the sheep-shepherd relationship. Sheep are secure. They're safe in the shepherd's hands. Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand you think about the powerful word pictures that Jesus describes in in just that verse. He paints vivid realities of what goes on spiritually, of, of what Satan tries to do and what Jesus does. That there is someone that wants you to perish, be destroyed completely, separated from God eternally. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to snatch you, steal you, and grab you and take you to be with him. That's what he wants to do, but what does Jesus do? He gives you eternal life. He gives you eternal life because he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, and now you will enjoy eternity with him, drinking living waters with him. He holds you in the palm of his hands. And that means that no one, not the devil himself or his demonic armies, can snatch you from him. And that means we should probably talk about really the mixed metaphors that we have going on in our scripture lessons for today. That, that Jesus is at once a shepherd and at the very same time a sheep. Jesus, which one are you? <laughs> the answer is both. And he, and he describes for us how it is that he's both in these very next verses. In verses chapter 28 and 29, he says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. How is it that Jesus is at the very same time a shepherd and also the sheep? Well, it's because your God and Savior is at the very same time the Father and the Son. He is a triune God. And that means that He is at once the antidote, the remedy, the vaccine to the disease of sin. And He is at the very same time the creator, the maker, the deliverer, and the doctor who gives you the answer to the problem of sin. He is at once the sheep whose blood was sacrificed on the altar of the cross so that your sins were paid for. And he is at the very same time, the good shepherd who purposefully, willingly laid down his life for the sheep only to take it back up again, only to do what he only could do so that you have life with him forever. That's what scripture puts before us. In John chapter 10, in Revelation, the lamb on the throne, who was slain but now lives, who's also your shepherd. That's what our eyes see. And I forgot to tell you how the story ends. The story of Horton hatches the egg ends with, well, the egg hatching, but not before Lazy Maisie flies in and actually tried to take her egg back. She tried to steal it and said, that's mine, you stole it. But the egg hatches and out comes, well, this creature <laughs> the line from the story goes like this horton the elephant saw something whiz it had ears and a tail and a trunk just like his you look at the picture and, and other than the cool story and the cool words that that stand out what what grabbed my attention was the eyes The eyes of these characters that that meet for the very same time, and you see that Will Horton, as well as his hatchling, are happy 100%. And you think about what the metaphor of a sheep means for us. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't like being a sheep because you're too macho to be a little lamb. Maybe you don't like being a sheep because... You're too, too smart, and you know sheep are dumb. But for whatever the metaphor means, maybe negatively, think of all that it means beautifully. Yeah, it's kind of an awkward animal, but what scripture does is put before our eyes this. We have a peace like his. We have a salvation like our shepherds we have a father like our shepherds. We have a joy that is his because the lamb is the shepherd and he is the father and and you know him just like he knows you and you get to see it. You get to see it and you get to see not just words that promise this, you get to see deed after deed after deed of Jesus making good on that. Backing up his words with works and proving because Easter happened. Well, Jesus meant what he said, and he said what he meant. You have a good shepherd who's faithful 100%. Amen.